Did you know at Kroger, shopping online with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store? Same low prices, same personalized deals, same rewards, with no hidden fees or markups on your same family favorites, like Honeycrisp apples and pasta sauce. The only difference is you don't have to put on shoes. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, man, I tell you, I've been doing the Monster Fest for like four years running so far. And I got to be perfectly honest, I'm very disappointed in the Shelbyville um, Lake Monster. You know, we had something here in Delaware. Like, even if it was a hoax, man, the point is, is that there was a legend there. There was growth there. There was excitement there. You know, that could have actually brought in a lot more tourists around in fall time. Not to mention the Great Cypress Swamp is friggin' huge. And there's a lot to that story. But I, I really, really am disappointed about that. But you know what, though? Like, every other aspect has their legends. You know, the whole thing about the Jersey Devil, for instance. The Mothman, wherever he is. Any of the Native American legends. Think about it. Like, all that stuff around here, it enriches the culture. That's why we have it. And if anything, that's why we should discuss it here. Because guess what? Welcome to the J-Man Show here on... J360 Radio! How's it going, J360 Legion? What is up? This is J-Man, of course, here for episode 274 of the J-Man Show series. And let me just tell you, it feels really good to be back behind the mic right now. Now, I might be kind of fuzzy and all sorts of other crap because I just got my uh, vaccine shots not too long ago. You know you gotta get them renewed every year, even though they don't cure anything. They just boost up your immune system. But I'm gonna tell you, like right now, I was doing good for the first two days and now <laughs> I'm starting to feel it. So, until it's time for me to really get knocked out, I'm going to go ahead and ride through this episode tonight. And then not to mention, you got a little bit of a double special happening here on the Monster Fest. So that's how that's going tonight. Uh, Speaking of which, though, like I said in the cold open, there's plenty of great creatures out there. And like, the Shelbyville Swamp Monster, not Lake, Swamp, is definitely a swamp. The Shelbyville Swamp Monster was ours here in Delaware, you know? And then I found out, like, it was, after much digging, because I was hoping that there was going to be some updates for you guys, that it was indeed a hoax. And I was like, damn it! That was one for us, man, you know? Like, even though I'm going west, and I'm moving on from this side of the region here, the thing is, is that that was one for the homeland, damn it! Delaware's still home! It's like, come on now! (laughs) 
is gone. Well, then again, you know, the Lene Lape um, Indians hidden legends we still have. So, you know, we still have all that cool stuff going down. So, I'm not going to say, like, we don't have it. It's just that, once again, that was a real popular one. You know, could have had people coming all over. But today, we're going to be looking into, like, different monsters today that uh, take place in different states. And then whether they're real or plausible or not is entirely up to you. I'm not going to spoil your fun and everything. To me, though, I like to think that there's something living out there in that swamp. But maybe that's just because, you know, I'm being a little biased right now. Or maybe I should go live out there in the swamp a little bit and check. And, you know, during the rainy season, that stuff swallows you in anyway. If anything, maybe the swamp is uh, sentient enough to even produce a giant mess that could have conscious thinking and being similar to Gravemind. We just don't give it an AI to mess with. Look, I'm sorry for you Cortana fans, but that's what you think happened in Halo 3. Let's just be honest. You know, all sorts of wild stuff, man. Just saying. I mean, like, on the way to that level, I was, like, really, really pissed off. Because every time I try to get somewhere, great mind talking to me. I'm like, shut up, man. This level's already annoying enough with your cousins coming around trying to kick my ass. I got, I got like, five rounds in the shotgun. Just shut up. And then poor Cortana in the back going crazy. And I'm like, huh. Well, she's slowly but surely becoming rampant. It was only a matter of time. You know, little things like that. But, yeah, like... This stuff enriches the culture here, though. So, like I said, we should be rolling with that. But anyway, we'll go ahead and get started. We're going to go ahead and visit the state of New York right now while we talk about some of the legends that happen over there. Especially with the book called Chasing American Monsters, Over 250 Creatures, Cryptics, and Hairy Beasts. And the thing about this book is it's a damn fine book, for one thing. But another thing is some of the monsters actually have pretty good remote access because they can go anywhere. Like, I've seen Bigfoot pop up in here, like, at least ten times. And I'm like, you know, he probably is a nomad, if anything. He don't stay in one spot long. And then again, it might not be a he. It might be a whole tribe of them. But then again, you've probably seen that after finding Bigfoot, right? Remember that show? I thought, you know, personally, even if, however you believe about these monsters, whether they're just myths or folklore or if they were real at one time, I'd like to think that was a pretty entertaining show. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, you had the one person that was a skeptic, but you had, like, the three other dudes in there that were happy that, yeah, we're finally getting closer to Bigfoot. We're going to get him. We're going to get him. I still say they should have had one more season of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Some of the best entertainment, you know? At least in reality TV form. Uh, boy, but hey, while we're talking about these monsters, eventually we'll talk about what's really scary in the world. And believe me, we got quite a lot of it. But anyway, let's jump into it. Alright, the first monster that we'll be looking into is called Wild Men. Large, hairy, man-like creatures have been reported by settlers of New York since 1818. According to Voices, the Journal of New York Folklore, the first reported encounter with a wild man was outside the town of Ellingsburg, near the Canadian border. A gentleman of unquestionable veracity saw a hairy, stooped man running through the woods. The town folks turned out, turned out to hunt the wild man, but he remained elusive. Other reports were sporadic. A young hunter told his father he had a run-in with a hairy boy in August 1838 near the border town of Silver Lake, Pennsylvania. Told to shoot anything that wasn't a person or a domestic animal, he was on alert when he heard someone coming to him in the woods. Writing himself, he saw a six- or seven-year-old boy covering black hair. The boy stopped about 30 feet from him, stared at him. Terrified, the young hunter shot at the boy, but his hands were shaking so hard he missed the creature that turned and fled into the trees. 
1869, a group of nearly 100 people saw a wild man in Steuben County. The hairy monster screamed as it ran with a springing, jerking hitch in its galt, which gave him more of an appearance of a wild animal than a human being, according to the Plattsburgh Sentinel. One witness told that the Evening Gazette that the wild man had long matted hair, the thick black uncombed beard, the wild glaring bloodshot eyeballs which seemed bursting from their sockets, the swag harrig, um, haggard, I should say, unearthly countenance, the wild beastly appearance of this thing, whether man or animal, has haunted me. A horseman saw a wild man in July 1895 near Margaretville, New York. A wild-eyed man or ape with long and hairy arms stood in the road ahead according to voices. The monster, at least seven feet tall, screamed and grabbed one of the man's horses, dragging it into the darkness at the side of the road. A farmer shot at the ape-like creature, but the beast threw him to the ground and ran off. Hundreds of sightings sprinkled the annals of the state's history throughout the 1970s and 80s. The Kindercook area had enough sightings of this Bigfoot-like monster has been called the Kindercook Creature. You know something? Um, this might actually be real, but I'm going to tell you this much because, I don't know. That could be like your Uncle Jim didn't shave for a while, you know what I'm saying? And he was always a rather strong person anyway. And, you know, he just got tired of the world. You know, shaggy, matted hair, bloodshot eyes. That's me after editing these shows. I mean, think about it. You know, it doesn't take much to realize that some people just had enough and finally went back to their primal urges. You know, with the killer instinct and the primal rage. I ain't talking about the video games either. Coming together and just saying, you know what? To hell with modern rules. It's time to be hunting and gathering. <laughs> but then again, I don't know. Could be. Could be a giant group of people roaming around out there. Some of them woods are really, really thick. Especially from, like, Jersey and New York, now I think about it. And I'm not talking about around city. I mean, like, right out there, all that brush is around. So who knows what's living out in the woods. Which is why it's fun to talk about. But yeah, wild men, huh? Sound like my group of people, you know what I mean? Especially when the quest for money ain't right, you know? And then I start to devolve back into a primal state. Well, I don't know about de-evolving de like that, but that'd be pretty interesting to live like that. Alright, another one is, hey, it's a piggy. No, it ain't a pig. That looks like a damn mutated boar or something like that. It's called the East River Monster. Let's look into this then. All right, in July 2012, photographer Denise Genley and her boyfriend took a walk along the East River towards a farmer's market when they discovered a rotting monster. They were horrified about it and took camera, camera photos. Sorry, that's just the way the book wrote it. <laughs> took camera photos and then decided to come back with the camera when they got the courage to get closer to it when they climbed over the fence. Genley told the New York Daily News, Although the New York Parks Department claimed that the creature was a discarded cooked pig, the long, straight tail and claw marks make this impossible. Wait, a pig with clawed feet? Very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. The Parks Department was probably very quick to identify it as a pig and dispose of it, but it's most certainly not a pig, generally told the Daily News. The most obvious sign being the lack of a cloven hoof. Instead of this creature had five digits all close together. But what is it? Dr. Paul Curtis, a Cornell University professor, told the Daily News it could be a dog, but because of its lack of hair and decayed state, it was hard to tell. This sighting is the second such creature in New York. In 2008, a bloated, unidentified carcass washed ashore at Montauk, an area of the state steeped in UFO and time travel lore. 
Hmm. Yeah, okay. I still need more information on that one. I'd like to think that one way or another it's like a giant pig. But if it is, I mean, I'm out of bacon and I kind of want to start, you know, going out and hunting for my bacon and all that jazz. I'd like to see if there's another one of them. Because, you know, could you imagine how that would taste with a side of eggs and maybe some orange juice, right? <laughs> Get a couple of biscuits with it. That'd be kind of all right. Or even better, what if we took it and we made it into Scrapple, right? The big, thick cut of Scrapple, too. I'm from Delaware. Deal with it. Look, the point is, it's like, that stuff would be really, really tasty. A little piggy, huh? Called the East River Monster. Hmm. I better put that in one of my um, one of my hobbies and just go ahead and try to hunt that thing when I get a chance. It'd be kind of nice, you know. All right, this one is called Champ. Uh, let's see. Champlin is a four, 490-square-mile, 400... Good Lord, they need to go back to AP style or something when they wrote this book. 400-foot deep freshwater lake that lies mostly in New York that also touches Canada and Vermont. It is home to the most famous lake monster called Champ. The local Native Americans, the Abernaki, and the... I don't want to spell that name wrong. Let's see. I... Hmm... <laughs> let's see um, Iroquois Iroquois yeah yeah let's see the Abernaki and Iroquois had stories of the monster Tasok a horned serpent that lived under the lake the first Europe to, the first European to see the monsters disputed although the popular story is that Samuel de Champlain saw something big in the water Champlain sighting of something less than 10 feet tall but that's snack for the na next major sighting in July 1890, Captain Crum of the ship Bulwaga Bay saw a black monster that stretched from 19 uh, that stretched from not 19 uh, 187 feet long, according to the Plattsville Republican. The monster had a head like a seahorse, which struck about 15 feet from the water. It had eyes the color of a peeled onion, white teeth, and a white star on its forehead. That sounds like a Pokemon. Anyway, keep on going. Let's see. Um, a railroad crew saw a gigantic serpent with silvery scales in the lake in 1873. A county sheriff saw a 30-foot-long water serpent in the lake that July, and in August, a steamship collection, a steamship collided with a water monster and almost overturned. Sightings of Champ continue to this day. The most famous photography of the beast was taken in 1977 and shows a creature with a small head, a long neck, and a hump, which especially resembles the Loch Ness Monster. Well, you know, to be fair, like, a lot of those waters are very deep, and not to mention, like, there's no way we can really explore down into them. So there could be something living out there. A lot of people keep saying that the Megalodon still exists, and, you know, I couldn't put it past them on it, but I'm always thinking, like, hmm... He's got plenty to eat down there with them giant squids and everything, so I think it's kind of interesting that there would be, like, our version of the uh, Loch Ness Monster over here. But, you know, I think Michigan has their version, too. And then, like, there is one that's near, like, Maryland, and it's called Chessie because of the Chesapeake Bay area. So there should, allegedly, there's something living out there. I talked about Chessie, like, last year. So that's very interesting. But, you know, I want to go ahead and say this for the record. Whoever wrote this book needs to proofread it. I'm just saying. Some of these ebooks just come out here and they just don't proofread the stuff. And speaking of which, here's another water monster. Let's see. It's called Kipsy. Witness reports of a water monster that inhabits the Hudson River between Manhattan and Post Kipsy very wildly. 
Some witnesses say they saw a shark, others a manatee, and still others a sea serpent. According to a 1989 article in the New York Times, most sightings of Kipsy are only humps in the river, but people insist that they saw something large and unknown. Hmm. Yeah, after a while, they all started to become like lake monsters. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if something was living out there. Let's see. Here's something that you guys really like. Uh, this is over here in the neighboring uh, state of Jersey, which is interesting because I should pop over there sometime to do a few things. But um, you know what? Because some of y'all really need something to be frightened about. This one is called the Big Red Eye. Back in the 1970s, residents of the mountainous wooded area of northwest New Jersey became aware of something strange in the forest. Something big, something hairy, something loud. According to a report by CBS2 in New York, this beast has a reputation. It comes out at nighttime with big red eyes. Alex Zanerovitz of Newtown told CBS2. People call it Big Red Eye. Witness claimed that this creature, the New Jersey Bigfoot, is well over 6 feet tall, weighs about 400 pounds, and can emit a scream that will freeze your blood. In the CBS2 report, Tom Carter, a retired forest ranger, said he heard the shriek while in the woods more than 40 years ago. The scream sent him and two other rangers, both armed, running from the trees. It was a wailing, howling-like kind of scream, Card said in the report. They were a little unnerved because they had never heard anything like this either. Neither Card nor the other two rangers returned to that section of the forest. Can Bigfoot be hiding in New Jersey with more than 2 million acres of forest land? You betcha. You damn right. Like I said before, there's lots of woods over there. <laughs> we have them around here. Well, we used to anyway with all the people that are buying up like property and stuff. And then like we're getting all these condos and everything put around here. Yeah, it's very interesting. But, you know, that's just the side of the Delaware equation, man. Of course, that's why all the damn deers are out in the street anyway. Eh, bastards. You know, I need to get something for the front of my car, right? Like a little bit of a deer plow, you know? I mean, it's inhumane, and at the end of the day, like, you know, some of y'all would be like, Jay, you should care about the deers, but it's like, <laughs> unless I'm eating it, I don't care. You know? Of course, at the end of the day, you know, gut it and then cook it up, like, get that Venetian just right, you know, just, mm, and then serve it up with some potatoes. Look, I miss dinner, okay? And just one way or another, these things are not good to just capture and to like really try to study or anything because that can be inhumane. But if it's killed or be killed, you got to realize this any of these folklorish monsters come out and I have to face them, chances are by the end of the movie, I'm eating it. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? It could be Bigfoot, it could be any of them. Like right there, you see me just chewing the arm and then looking at y'all and saying, till next time. And then keep on eating and having a good time and everything. Like even this right here called the White Stag. Let's read this one. Although the Pine Barrens have the reputation of being dangerous, not all stories of strange creatures lurking out there are wicked. In the days when people relied on horses for transportation, a stagecoach traveling through the Pine Barrens near dusk was caught up in a rainstorm. The driver making his way towards the tavern on the other side of the well-used Quaker Bridge pulled the stage to a stop which didn't help the mood of his already tired and frustrated passengers. The coach driver stopped because of an enormous white stag blocked the way. The stagecoach horses, frightened to the, almost to the point of panic, were nearly too much for the driver to handle, and he grabbed his rifle to be rid of the deer. When the driver's feet hit the muddy road and he approached the deer, it turned and disappeared into the trees. At a closer inspection of where the deer stood, the driver discovered that it had blocked the, 
the coach's passage onto the bridge, which has been washed out by the swollen river. To this day, if a hunter sees a white stag in the barrens, he lets it be. Hey, see, now that's nice. I mean, like, eventually on the Monster Fest, we have, like, nice stories that pop up in here. If not, we run out of victims. But the truth is, it's like, you know, that right there, that's pretty cool. But you know, sometimes, if it was to sacrifice itself for my dinner, sorry, sorry, we won't talk about it. We'll let it be. We'll leave it alone, okay? Because that did save some people. Let's just be honest. All right. And since eventually he was going to be here or was going to be the Mothman on here, we're going to go ahead and talk about the Jersey Devil right now, all right? All right, here we go. The Pine Barrens of New Jersey, the name is simply ominous. That area is called the Barrens because this coastal plain of pine forest that juts from sandy, acidic soil is barren of any plant life that the humans can survive on. The Barren is home to a wide variety of plants like orchids, vines, and the carnivorous pitcher plants, bladderworth, and sundew. The Pine Barren slogan is, a place so dangerous even the plants will eat you. Well, you know, somebody's got to go. Dead, dead communities dot the barrens with some crumbling buildings, others with brick foundations peeking from amongst the foliage, the foliage that wants you dead. The people who once tried to conquer the Pine Barrens are long gone. It is the most rural spot in Jersey and home to the state's greatest legend. The legend of the devil goes something like this. In 1735, a pregnant woman named Mother Leeds cursed her soon-to-be-born 13th child as a devil. Legend has it that the baby was born looking like any other child, but almost immediately its head stretched into the semblance of a goat, its hands and feet turned to hooves, bat-like wings sprang from its sides, and a barbed tail grew as the horrified parents watched. The newly-born monster slaughtered the midwife that just helped it into the world and disappeared up the chimney. Plenty of people have reported seeing the devil during the past 280 years, including Joseph Bonaparte, Napoleon's brother, and plenty of farmers with dead livestock. Unidentified noises and strange animal tracks have kept the devil's legacy alive. The biggest week for the Jersey Devil was in January 1909 when it appeared throughout the state and into neighboring Pennsylvania. A strange bat-like creature attacked a trolley car in Haddon Heights, New Jersey, and Bristol, Pennsylvania, just across the Delaware River. Hey, Delaware! Okay, so police officers attempt to shoot a monster that fit the description of the Jersey Devil, although the police either missed the devil or the bullets had no effect. I like to think the second one. More sightings of the devil across New Jersey caused widespread panic, schools closed, and men stayed home from work. Although over the years people had tried to prove the Jersey Devil a hoax, the winged demonic spawn of Mother Leeds continues to be a staple in New Jersey folklore. Hells yeah! That's very true. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised, man. I mean, if it wasn't him causing a muck, chances are it would be the Mothman doing it. And allegedly Mothman is up there in um, PA, isn't he? Far as I know. Or New Hampshire, something like that. He gets around. He has wings. So, you know, it's like one way or another. I wouldn't be surprised if I ran into him out there. That's probably why I got that stripe on my car now. Damn it. Shoot, you talk about about quite a lot of body work I need to get to under that damn thing. But I love my car. (laughs) You know? It gets me from point A to point B, mama. Anyway, moving forward. Let's see, this one is called We Make Gunas. Wumagonis. At least I think that's what it's called. Let's see. Wumagonis. Okay. The Lenape, known as the Delaware Indians. Hey, Delaware! 
tells of the the Wimogunas, the little people of their mythology. These dwarves are about three feet tall, and much like people, little people legends from around the globe, you don't want to make them angry. Although usually benevolent, if upset, the, Wiga, the Wimogunas will use their unnatural strength and ability to become invisible to prank unsuspecting people, sometimes painfully. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, one legend of a hunter had experienced the Wimogunas after he wandered off from his group, the lost hunter killed the deer, and while he was looking for his companions, a mocking voice called to him. The hunter crisscrossed a valley trying to find the person calling to him, but the voice was just beyond his search. He finally threw down the deer in anger and rushed towards the voice. He came face to face with the Wimate Gunas, who laughed and said he only called because he wanted to see how long the hunter could run across carrying the deer. <laughs> That's funny. You know, that's very true. Like, you know, even though we all talk about midgets and all... I'm not politically correct. I know we're not supposed to say allegedly midgets anymore. But, you know, the thing about it is when you're dealing with short people, okay, you're not supposed to make fun of them or piss them off because chances are they'll do the leprechaun treatment to you. And this isn't no different because, you know, there is something out there allegedly... Let's see, I was reading up on him not too long ago, but there are, like, little people out there that would happily steal from you, and not to mention, like, send you on a wild goose chase all the time. Like, they were called, they were called something because they were, like, um, Native American types. I'm trying to look for it right now, but, like, needless to say, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually existed at one time. I think they were called, like, um, I can't think of what they were called. They were called, like, no, they weren't called that. Can't think of it. And that's not like me. Usually I know that stuff. Now let's see. Nope, that's that's a good one to read to you guys, though. We'll go back to it. But this one is called, like, the, um... What's called the... There it is! The Puckwudgie! Okay, so here it is. Alright, Puckwudgie. Many Native American mythologies have stories of little people. The Wampanoag of um, Massachusetts legend is of the Puckwudgie. Jealous of the affection the Wampanoag showed the giant mole shop well the giant did create cape god for them according to legend the pugwudgie began to torment the wampanoag indians playing tricks on them stealing their children and burning their villages pugwudgies are described as human-like two to three feet with large noses and ears and their skin is gray the pugwudgie can become invisible use magic and create fire at the snap of their fingers but with their most dangerous antics involve shooting poison arrows which legend said they used to kill Mole Shop and his five sons, and then turning into a half porcupine and half troll. The diminutive human-like monsters have been known to lure humans to their death, either by poison arrow or pushing the human off a cliff. Afterwards, the Puckwudgie can control the souls of their victims. In modern times, they said that they people have said that they have encountered Puckwudgies in Freetown Fall River State Forest, which includes a reservation in the Wampanoag Nation. And this is over in Massachusetts, so... I don't know, maybe the Puckwudgie is the same as, like, the creatures we were talking about earlier around here with Delaware Legend. So it'd be kind of interesting. Now to go back to that story that we were talking about here, this is called the Dogman. So we're riding around to Michigan right now. And let's see. The Dogman is towering six to seven feet. It is a wolf-like creature that is said to walk and run on its hind legs, so similar to a werewolf. The Dogman was first seen in 1887 when two lumberjacks encountered the monster, according to an article in the Huffington Post. 
More dogman sightings began in 1928 in Paris, Michigan, when 17-year-old Robert Fortney was charged by a pack of wild dogs. He fired a shot over the pack's head, but when the pack ran at the sound, one huge black dog with blue eyes stood its ground. Fortney shot another round over the beast's head, and then the monster stood on two legs and stared down Fortney until it turned and disappeared in the woods. Similar reports have risen throughout the years since the 1950s, like the encounters by S. Costier and his family near, the, near Romulus. As a child, Costier lived in a farmhouse with his mother, his uncle, and his mother's boyfriend. Woods separated the house from a nearby major road, woods that kept the house and the family hidden. Something terrifying lived in those woods. We had this really strange dog creature that would hang around the property, Costier said. I say dog creature because this thing was far too big and intelligent to be a stray dog. The animal as big as a Great Dane seemed to have the upper part of a German Shepherd and the lower part of a Doberman Pinscher. It also had red eyes. Well, hey, I thought it had blue, but then again, it might change. It seemed to have no fear, Kostia said. My uncle would yell at it or throw things towards it or try to scare it off, but it would simply rear up its hind legs like a ram and charge at him from a short distance. Wow, nice. The family would find his chicken and rabbits torn to bit and screen, often torn from doors and windows. Then one day the dog thing spoke. One summer night, my mom had left the window open in my bedroom to cool the room off so I could sleep, Costia said. She was on her way to the bathroom and went by my room and heard me talking to someone. Stopping by her son's door well after his bedtime, she thought he was playing. She opened the, bathroom, the bedroom door and turned on the lights and saw the dog. When she opened the door and saw me standing in my bed, and I apparently wet my pajamas, he said, I was talking towards the window. I wasn't screaming or freaking out, but it seemed to be transfixed and talking in a low voice towards the window. The dog had its two front paws pushed through the screen and was looking through the window at us, making a low growl. Costier's mother threw the bottle she carried into the beast's face and it backed out of the window. She slammed the window shut and closed the blinds. Eventually, Costier's uncle shot the beast, and although he didn't kill it, the dog man allegedly never bothered the family again. That would be pretty interesting, you know? But then again, okay, it sounds similar to like a Wendigo. And I covered the Wendigo last year. But, you know, just to go ahead and refresh this, we'll go ahead and we'll talk about it. And you see, the, allegedly the Wendigo, it does exist over there. And it is a creature that once was a man who ate another human. It was unforgivable sin. Trans this unforgivable sin would transfer a human into a fifty-foot shaggy monster with long fangs and glowing eyes, and always hungry for human flesh. And you know, white settlers in Minnesota claimed to have seen those Wendigos and considered them an omen of death. Reportedly, in the 1800s to 1900s, the town of Rocio, 11 miles south of the Canadian border, had a number of sightings of a Wendigo, and each sighting was followed by a death. Sightings of the creature in northern Minnesota and Canada are still reported. So, yeah, if anything, that's no different than, like, our whole Bigfoot uh, story around here. But allegedly, they say, like, the Wendigo is supposed to be um, whenever, like, somebody is actually out there and they do eat, like, somebody in their party. Chances are, like, they become a Wendigo, and it's supposed to transfer every time. And then, like, you know, that also became a, a basis for a character in the Marvel comics, too. You know? And not to mention, like, it also led to the first appearance of Wolverine in an uh, Incredible Hulk comic. And I have that sitting right here. Hells yeah. <laughs> you know, though, I, I don't understand. 
Like, when it comes right down to a Wendigo and stuff, how could we fight against something like that? Because, you know, usually those kind of things, they don't stop. You know what I mean? And then there's a chance that your bullets may not have any effect. Might just knock the damn thing out. And you can't eat it because, you know, you become one. So it's like, what do you do? You dig a ditch and hope that he falls in it. There you go. You know what I'm saying? But then again, he might climb back out. I'm just trying to think, like, what would be the best way to trap or either try to um, neutralize that sort of thing? Because at the end of the day, that's not a creature I want. You see what I'm saying? It's not good to me because, one, I can't eat it. And two, I don't want to capture it so people can go ahead and exploit the damn thing. I would say, like, more or less just, you know, yeah, dig a ditch. Maybe it'll fall, knock itself out, and then I'm going to be long gone by then. Get right back in my Jeep and right away. You know? <laughs> it's crazy as hell. All in all, though, as I'm sitting here reading this stuff to you, I guess I can go ahead and dive into, like, some other parts of the Monster Fest right now. Oh, by the way, Jams 55 has been announced, so it's not happening until next Friday, but don't wait until, like, next Thursday with the deadline. We're going back to the standard deadline, which is at 5 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, okay? So make sure you guys get your two tracks in, I would say right about now. You'll be getting the art for it tomorrow. Oh, in addition to, like, um, let's see, Jams TV 4, that is supposed to be happening on the 28th. So those of you making music videos or have music videos, send me your one music video. Note I said send me your one. I had somebody send me four music videos, and to be perfectly honest with you, that's overkill. I don't need four, all right? All I need is just the one. And not to mention, like, you know... That's generous and all that jazz, but like I said, just just keep it simple, okay? Like, one, one music video and two tracks for, like, a traditional jams episode. And then not to mention, just to make sure you guys stay on track with that, I put the submission rules in the description. And then not only that, I made sure, like, um... There's something else I made sure I did. Oh, yeah, I made sure I created a different link for you guys, because, like, the first link we had was a little too long. So I know how, like, some of y'all, some of y'all be, this link needs to be shortened, Jay. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's right here. <laughs> you know. Oh, and speaking of which, like, some of these movies I've been watching lately, um, no, no, it's back on. It's still scary as hell. Because, like, the last one I watched, which was called Ghost Storm, I don't think I formally gave Ghost Storm a rating on Monster Fest. I watched it one time outside, and now that I actually watched it and it's officially in the fest, I gotta say, that one was definitely a four. Because, I mean, like, all the creatures and creeps coming from it, and then not to mention, like, ghosts attacking people, utilizing stormy weather. That's pretty badass. I'm not denying it. So that's definitely a four. Another one would be, like, I took the time to watch The Amazing Colossal Man, only this time without um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 riffs on it. You know something? To be fair, for its time, that movie is decent. I mean, if anything, it's kind of like, like, some of y'all have seen the 50-foot woman, right? Yeah, exactly like that. Only one thing, though, the person, the person that becomes, like, the giant, you feel for him because at the same time, he didn't want to get caught up in a plutonium bomb and become a giant man. Even though you look like, um, Mr. Clean in a diaper. That's the funniest thing to watch, but at the same time, though, it's like, I feel for him, because I was like, you know, he really just wanted to be with his fiance. he wanted to live a good life, but as per usual, 
bad things happen to good people. So, you know, you sit there and you're like, damn. And then there was a sequel to it called um, The War of the Colossal Man. And he's back, but he's also got, like, half a face. And he's very vengeful. And, like, he has no real... um, no real cognitive thinking at this point. He's just reacting on instinct. And I thought the sequel was damn fine, too. And you'll get, like, a full rating of these movies that I've seen, in addition to some of the riffs. But I enjoyed that movie so much, I didn't even bother riffing it. It's the same thing with, like, Earth Dies Screaming. All that stuff going on, and then you're wondering, like, is it aliens? Is it What kind of robots is it? And I think it's just, like, alien robots this time. But you see, the thing is, there was no explanation on why they invaded and why they were there. But when they were there, they had the radio frequency on to wipe out and kill everybody around them. And could you imagine, like, running a train system and then all of a sudden you're knocked out by a radio frequency and then all of a sudden there's nothing to stop the train? That's what happened in that movie. Quite a lot of people died because of that radio frequency. So, yeah. And the only person that was around was a ranger, um, a very unscrupulous man, and then, of course, like, two women. One was pregnant, so... And then the other one was, um, uh, you know, the pregnant woman's husband. So, like, all that stuff going down was really interesting. Because, like, you don't really need a whole lot of people. You just need a handful of people, and you need to tell your story. So I look at that, and I'm like, wow... This is great. And then you look over at modern filmmaking, and it's like, oh, we got to have certain people in the young, sexy cast. we got to have all these multiple different locations. Yeah, we got to go ahead and uh, overexpend and stand our budget here. We're going to go ahead and mess all this thing up. And I'm like, you know, you really don't need too much when it comes to constructing a good story and making, like, a nice micro-feature. You know, take it back. Scale it down a little bit. Do stuff differently. But, you know, I also uh, deal with people who want to do big things, want to do great things, and um, they don't go for it. Like, they don't even take the time to do, like, three pages a night. Or, like, say, like, if you're working on something and you worked all this time on something and you did not want to share it because you're afraid of what other people think or you're afraid of, like, you know, what people, people give you the Twitter treatment and all that kind of stuff. Or, hey, maybe people just don't like you. Well, here, do it from the J-Man school of doing things. (laughs) The hell with people. All right? Yeah, if they don't like you then, they damn sure don't like you now. And at the end of the day, why the hell would you hold yourself back on that issue? Yeah, I know it's Monster Fest and everything, but a lot of you creators get on my damn nerves with this nonsense. Oh, you know, it's my job, Jay. Um, I got other things going on in my life, Jay. Yeah, you might. But at the same time, it's like, guess what? If it was that damn important to you, there are people out there with multiple kids that still go for what they want. There are people out there with very intense jobs and go for what they want. You just go ahead and find an excuse and you just hang up on that excuse for a while. And the truth is, it's like, eventually when you get tired of it, okay, great. But you know what, here's the thing. You keep holding on to that crutch and stuff, and you're not putting any of your work out, you're not going to get to those high levels. You're not going to get anywhere. It's kind of like somebody saying, hey, I want to lose weight, but you're not putting any installments in on losing weight. You know what I mean? If you even go in there and just bike for a day, like 30 minutes to a, 30 minutes to an hour, at least you did something more than the person who has done nothing. And I see a lot of people not doing anything because, oh, it has to be perfect. Screw your perfection and screw whatever the hell anybody else says. Why do you think um, that nine times out of ten I do what I do? 
And then, like, most of the time, like, a lot of people don't like me. And they'll be like, oh, you know, Jay's kind of a, uh, you know, Jay is kind of a. And I'm like this. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a what? Because I do my own damn thing and always have. I'm not controlled and will never be controlled. And that's the wildest damn thing for some people. But, you know, people and they, uh, issues, though. And I just wanted to let you all know that because that's damn scary. That is the scariest thing in the world when you got so many people who had the potential to do things and they don't. Or they go ahead and they find something to complain about, like the Super Mario movie. Like, it's very interesting about that because everybody's either complaining because allegedly Mario doesn't have a butt. It's like, most of the time, what were you playing anyway? And then everybody's talking about Charles Martinet. And then speaking of which, hey, let me go out on an extension right here. Hey, Tara Strong, shut up! Okay? Damn, they did not want to go with Charles. And the truth is, is that, guess what? They gave Charles his due. He's going to voice another character in the movie. But at the same time, do you think of any of the people who played as Sonic are complaining about Ben Swartz's take on the character in his movies? I don't think so. And Roger Craig Smith is still the video game voice of Sonic. Think about it. Like, you know, people go too far with this stuff. Like, Jaleel White doesn't care. He probably gave his kudos just like, um... Ryan Drummond and Jason Griffith, along with um, anybody else who has voiced the character at one point. You can't sit there and just go on these tangents just because, like, oh, this is the way I feel. If you feel a certain way, okay, that's good. You have an opinion. But you know what? Your opinion can be friggin' wrong. And that's the scariest thing. And then, like, you see, like, a lot of people... Not following through. I, I've seen more people with potential that don't work for these major companies, and they hold themselves back based off of, I don't get no attention here. I don't get none of that stuff there. And it's, it's weird to me. See, me, um, you know, when I first started doing J360, I was unemployed. I was unemployed in everything. Like, I used my last bit of money to make J360 Radio. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys, but I went ahead and did it any damn way because I felt like, you know, I had something to say and I needed to compete. And then much like with the movies, like, you know, will they be done on the same level as Warner Brothers or any of that stuff? I don't friggin' know. I just need to do it. I think they're going to be good. They're going to be the best I can make anyway. I just see more and more people complain about the most pettiest things. And then you realize the movies that come out of these major studios, they suck. And then, like, you know, when it comes to, like, Smile and all that kind of stuff, a big bloated piece of mess. But then again, Smile's actually pretty good. I, I'm just saying that because to get y'all attention. But, you know, much like anything else, it's just you had the ability to do something and you make excuses. Like, one way or another, if you have a book that you're making and that doesn't come out, I mean, and you had all the means and all the ways of getting it out there. You know, that's your own fault. Or you worried about AI. I see, like, the newest thing is everybody's worried about AI getting into art and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, you know, here's the thing about AI. AI is good. AI is interesting. But it's also man-made. Stop worrying about that. Do your own damn thing. But hey, you know, maybe you guys know more than me. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm just stubborn enough to keep going. So, you guys figure that nonsense out. But while we're on the subject, though, 
I still got more Monster Fest to throw your way, and I still got a lot of other crazier things to do. But it was awesome doing this episode for you guys tonight. We got another one coming tomorrow, and that one is going to be dealing with some Monster Tales. So, you guys take care of yourselves. This is J-Man signing off. Peace.